This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 247 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. This is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. With our producer back, I think it's been many weeks, it seems like many weeks before I, since talking to him, Glenn. Hey, guys. I'm, it's hey. good to be back. And Philip, actually, I didn't have a choice. Philip sent me a note and said, you will be with us. <laughs> you will yeah, be. Well, it was kind of like, no, it was, yeah, will you? Yeah, okay. Word order is so important when you're writing emails. English. Yeah, it is, really. Will you? You will? Yeah. You will. You will. I did miss well, you. I had some other obligations. We've had, you, when you live in Florida, the entire month of February becomes all your family visiting month. <laughs> visit well, people in Florida have, month. Right? Yeah. We yeah. did that. All, we did that as well. We can't talk we did about that. that. <laughs> yeah, we did that to our friends Heidi and Mike, and they were wonderful hosts. They have they have a beautiful new house in Florida. So Philip and I were like, okay, we're <laughs> can we come and stay? Actually, they offered, which was really kind. And um, but if we had been any closer to you, Glenn, we would have come up. To visit, and we would have been those people. Next winter, we're coming up. <laughs> uh, you guys, I, I, we, I think we've had every relative we know decided <laughs> to come in February, run right after another. And it's like, okay, you guys can spread it out a little now next time. Well, I keep hearing about the beautiful weather, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. I keep hearing about Disneyland, and I want to go <clears throat> next winter. Well, you de- yeah, you definitely have to come down. We'll take you, you down know? to Disney. I was there today, actually. I was there. <laughs> we have friends that came, I, we have friends that came in, and and when friends come in, they all go to Disney, and then we have annual passes, so we just go meet them there. Oh, so, fun! So we met them there yeah. and spent half a day there with them, and it was fun. Cool. Well, deal. <laughs> well, we did. We we just got back, Philip and I, from Wellington, and wow, did we have a great time! What a crazy weekend! It, it seems like I got no <laughs> rest at all. I know. I don't feel like it either. But before we jump into the Global Dressage Forum North America and our wrap-up, we have some awesome news that literally just came over Facebook. And uh, Courtney King Dye and her husband Jason just welcomed an 8-pound, 4-ounce baby girl at 3 p.m. today. Everybody is healthy and doing well. So I'm sure Yay. we'll get a picture. Yay. Congratulations, Courtney. Yeah, fantastic. Very excited for, for them. They're a wonderful family and um, how excited. Exciting. I'm sure they had, they are beautiful people. So I'm sure they've had a beautiful baby girl. So looking forward to some updates and to talking to Courtney about being a mom. How should, exciting. Should we start a pool to see how long it is till the kid's in the saddle? I predict, yeah. I predict two weeks. Till two weeks. Yeah. I think that's probably about right. <laughs> yeah. She's probably going to pee off on her first ride. Yeah. <laughs> like her mom. That's very funny. exciting. So so that literally just came over before. It wasn't even in our show notes. So we wanted to put it in first thing. And I'm sure it's going to go all over everywhere. So we wanted to, to uh, thankfully, I'm on her Facebook page. So I got some information. So that was exciting. Good for her. Yeah. So, Philip, are we ready to talk about the Global Dressage Forum North America? I don't know if I've processed the whole weekend yet. I haven't <laughs> I know, had a right? minute to sit down and really think about it. But uh, we had an amazing time. And what a, what a fantastic event. I mean, right from when we, we got there. I mean, for me, anyways, right from, you know, like the presentation was um, incredible. And then, you know, from trainer to trainer to trainer, just, you know, all this great information and all this wonderful um, stuff and riding. And, and like I said, it was a, a little overwhelming, but uh, um, awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've kind of been telling people when they've asked me, you know, how our weekend was, and we can't went to the forum obviously to cover the um, the event for the radio show. So it was very much a working weekend for us. We got some some time to to play and, and see friends, but really we were pretty busy the whole time. Went to all the events, and there were a lot of events. Um, and then uh, I keep telling people it was like a cruise. You know, like a Caribbean cruise where you stop at every island for a little while and you find out which island you want to go back to. So that was yeah. kind of how yeah. I'm describing it because it really was. It was two days and it was really jam-packed of, of events. And there was something pretty much Presenters, all the Yeah, there was something for everybody. I mean, that's for sure. And, and uh, you know, not just riding, but, you know, saddle fitting and, and different kinds of focus in the riding. You know, not just trainers, but... Uh, centered riding presentations, Suzanne Van Dietz. I mean, when people ask me, like, oh, who did you go and see? I was like, well, this person, this person, this person. Like, all these famous riders, presenters, and trainers. And uh, it was it was so cool. So I think, 
you know, instead of going through all, you know, all the presentations, I know that Reese, you were taking a ton of notes. Um, we did have a listener question or somebody that was specifically interested in um, Jan Brink's presentation on um, kind of on getting on a horse for the first time or evaluating a horse for the first time. And, and he was brought a, he was brought a horse um, from Brendan Curtis, actually, the horse mm-hmm. of Brendan Curtis, uh, USA born um, Hanoverian, I believe, or Oldenburg. Um, and that Jan basically got on for the first time and gave his kind of um, ideas about how to just, you know, get it on a horse and evaluate it and where do you go with the training. So maybe we could just talk about that today and, and maybe get to some other topics, uh, you know, later next month or something. Sure, absolutely. So okay. he was great. Uh, I Jan Brink was actually probably my personal favorite um, presenter. I think, Philip, you also really enjoyed him. First of all, he... Yeah, I, I mean, I have a thing for Jan Brink. Yeah, he loves Jan Brink. By the way... Are, like, yeah, I, that, you know, like, uh, Reese, you have a Charlotte Desjardins thing. I, I've, yeah. I've had a Jan Brink thing, so that, I, you I know, mean, that was really funny. I've never been able to have the opportunity to see him, you know, live in person other than when he was riding uh, Umbriar, and uh, and so uh, I was really excited, and it was, you know, one of the, one of the first... Um, things in the forum, so we kind of got right. right to it, and it was cool. And, uh, and so maybe Reese, you could talk to sure. talk. We could talk a little bit about some of the, the the things that he discussed and that he brought to the forum with him. Absolutely, and plus, ladies, I'm just gonna say he's not hard to look at. He's precious. <laughs> he just, he's he's a that. nice. I know why. I know, I know. I, like, how am I gonna like? When have I ever get to say, oh wow, she's super hot or whatever? Like. Well, well, I guess it's I got mostly like, ladies. Glenn here with, with it never works that way, Philip. We can't get away with that, but they can. It, right? Yeah, I know it exactly. Work that way. But yes, yeah, um, so being sexist because the he is precious. He is okay precious. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, so let's anyways, get to the writing, Reese. Uh, we're writing. getting to the writing. Focus, Reese. Focus. Okay. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting with Jan Brink is that he essentially uh, has. I don't know if he's retired from his international career, but he ma- mainly has is focusing on training and training riders and training horses, um, which I thought was really cool to hear him say that. That you know he couldn't have right, when he was competing Briere, he couldn't really do you know, be competing internationally and do justice to his business at home and to, to his whole training program. So, um, now he's, he's doing that and he basically has developed a program and he kept talking about a nursery, um, for young riders and, and horses. And so he's basically developed a nursery, um, and they have camps and, uh, riders will come, I think to his training facility or where he works and, um, they will spend some good amount of time there. Uh, with him, which was was pretty cool, and then he talked about the sh- uh, the training scale, which I found was very interesting because all the presenters in one form and form or another talked about a training scale. It may have been slightly different, but essentially it was a training scale that we use in the U.S. as well. So I thought that that was cool, but. One thing that really resonated with me was he had a lot of mental. He had a, he had a way of thinking about training riders and horses, and that was you have three zones, three mental thoughts. You have the comfort zone, you have the stretching zone, and you have the panic zone. And I've been thinking about this. I thought about this on the way home from uh, from the program. And that was when you are training a rider, or even yourself when you're training your horse. It, it sometimes it's nice to be in the comfort zone. You know, sometimes that's not a bad deal. It's always nice to be in the comfort zone. Yeah, some. I, I mean, the there are times. Zone. Yeah, we all like the comfort zone. There's times where. <laughs> but you're not you going to get anything done in the comfort right. zone, Reese. Right. You're exactly. not going to go anywhere. Right. You're not you're going be anywhere. Stuck in the same place in the comfort zone right. all day. Exactly. So his point was, you know, you need to to stretch yourself. You need to move into the stretching zone where you're stretching yourself to learn, to new, do new things. You know, maybe maybe it's put a, chal- a little. Yeah, it's kind of a challenge zone, a place where mm-hmm. you know you're not, you know, the horse and, and rider are not panicking. I mean, but you're you're getting out of the your own comfort zone and trying something new or or pushing the limit of something you already know. So, um, you know, that was that was good to talk about because we always talk about you know, relaxation and, you know, it should be harmonious and, and all that. But, you know, when we're working and we're, we're developing new skills and we're developing our horses, you know, uh, muscles and things like that, you have to stretch beyond that a little, sometimes, you know, uh, a little bit and, and to, to make a challenge, right? And, and yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to go there, right? If you don't yeah, go you there, have to then go you there. don't go anywhere. And right. one, of, one of his quotes that I really liked is sometimes it doesn't start well. 
but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. He said, sometimes it doesn't start well, but it'll end well. And I think that that's what he's talking about in the, in stretching zone. You know, sometimes you start something and you think, oh my God, this isn't going to work. But over time, you just take time and, and it will work. So I thought that yeah, that was you work interesting. Through it. You, stay, you mm-hmm. stay a little bit away from the comfort zone, stay in the stretching zone yep. for, for a time until it becomes, you know, eventually your stretching zone will become the comfort zone and then you have to move to the new stretching zone. And, and I think that's a good description about how, how the horses uh, can learn to develop and how riders can learn to develop to, uh, to ch- you know, present new challenges and, and achieve them by, by, you know, good repetition and, and, uh, and staying there a little bit. So, right. so that, was, that was really cool. It was really cool. But he talked about the panic zone. And essentially, you're never really supposed to be in the panic zone. You know, that, that is not a place that, you know, we've all been there. You know, um, I had it happen to me today. I was working an exercise from the forum that I was trying and my big Cody was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I could feel it. And I was stretching. I was definitely pushing the limit today. Um, I felt like it was the right kind of day. It was nice and warm. And I was like, come on now, we're going to try this. And he was like, panic, 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 you know, and you have to really know how to handle that. And sometimes you have to say, come on. And sometimes you need to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this a little bit too hard. So I think that that's always an interesting, you never want to be there. And when you get there and we've all been there, if you're, if you're stretching in the stretching zone and push it a little too far, you know, that you need to know what to do when, when you get in there. So, um, so I thought that that was a really good way. He was very concise in talking about that. And he talked about it throughout his whole, his whole, um, hour and a half talk. Philip, another really good um, section of Jan Brink's talk, he talked about the three control points. Um, and I thought that these were extremely interesting. And he, and he also used his rider to demonstrate that. But the three control points he talked about were the track, the rhythm, and the control line. So if you can elaborate a little bit on that, we'll go from there. Well, the track is deciding, you know, um, I think a little bit like what what kind of, you know, are you going to be doing shoulder in? Are you going to be doing so, you know, two track, three track, four track, you know, are you doing leg yield? So all the different tracks that we ride in, in all the gates. And then the rhythm, obviously, I think we talked so much about rhythm. It's the first step in the, in the, in the training scale. So you have to be able to control the rhythm. And then the the third thing is the control line. So are you riding a circle? Well, that's a line. Are you riding a diagonal? That's a line. Are you riding um, a long side or a short side or or a corner? Those these are all lines, and you have to be able to control all of these things um, while you make your way around the arena. This is how you know when you take your first step. That your first step has has a track, it has a rhythm, and it has a line. So you have to be able to first decide. You know what are you doing, right? And then decide. You know that is the horse paying attention to you on all of these things. So, you know, um, as you're riding down the, lo- down the long side, that's a line. Are you going to be in two track? Or, you know, just straight ahead. Are you going to be in three track? And what kind of rhythm would you like? And you can mix it up as you make your way down the line, but you have to control these things. Don't let your horse control those things. So that was, again, this is, again, right back to detailed riding. You have to know where the horse is placing their legs, and you have to know how they're placing their legs, and that has to be your decision to make. Um, so I think we can relate these things back uh, towards you know him getting on this horse for the first time. I mean, the first thing that he said is that he, you've got to have a relaxed horse. So in that way, you've got to when you first get on and you go walking away, you have to you know the horse has to show you where they're comfortable a little bit, right? Does that make sense, Reese? That they yeah. you know wherever they place their head, you can't change that right away because you're going to maybe go. Um, to the stretching or right away to the panic zone, right? And you don't get on a horse and take it to the panic zone and start deciding, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this and that. You're going you're gonna to do this. I think it was he just got on and he just let the horse move and he let the horse show him, um, you know, the, his, the horse's natural balance. And just until, because it was, it was a youngish horse, I think it was six or maybe seven. Yeah. Um, and, and she was, was really. I mean, this was a huge audience in front of it. Yeah. There were speakers. There was. There was cameras. There's there's everything you can think of in a big show and more, um, because he had a rider on top of him that was also talking, right? And the wind was, you know, going in the mic. And there's lots. And she'd of noise. waited a long time. We were a little bit late, and she, yeah. I think she'd been ridden like 45 minutes had been, well, ahead of time. Up, had been warmed up a little bit yeah. by his rider, um, but then Young got on and said, "Okay, now I just want to relax this horse." 
And yeah. so he was riding and trot, he was riding and walking, a little bit of canter, and and really not doing a whole lot, right? Like just yeah. feeling the horse, you know, starting the partnership from you know kind of square one. And I think that's what that's what you have to that's what you have to do. I mean, this is a nicely trained, really super young horse and everything. So I mean, the horse was on the bit, but you know, when I get on a horse, I'm not going to say, okay, you do this now, you're on the bit, whatever. I mean, you just have to let the horse show you. And if they want to put their head up, fine. If they want to put their head way down, fine. You have to accept the horse's not, you know, natural way of going so that, um, they become comfortable with their new rider. And then, uh, and then what was next, Reese? It was rhythm control, yeah. right? Maybe yeah, rhythm, rhythm control. And, and, and basically, you know, he talked about rhythm control. And, and that was kind of a theme, I would say, through most of the presenters. They talked about rhythm control and being able to control the rhythm. And I thought that that was really interesting that that was an overall um, theme it, 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 with it. So that was interesting when, when he said, you know, I need to be able to control the rhythm. And with this particular mayor, again, like Philip said, she was really tense and there was a lot going on. Um, and so it took him a little while to be able to control the rhythm. But actually, by the end of the presentation, I mean, he even did some half steps on the mare. She was really talented, yeah. which yeah. I thought I was like, no way. When he, when he first got on the horse, I thought there is no way he's going to be able to do this. But he was just very clear with his aides. Um, he actually made the comment. Comment, which I thought was interesting. I made a note that 70% of all horses aren't in front of the leg in AIDS. And I thought, he's totally right. Like, I mean, I would say of, of most of the horses that I get on that aren't mine, I mean, I'm pretty on it with my own horses. But when I get on, they're not. They're not in front of the leg and they're not in front of the seat, which affects the rhythm. So I thought that that was interesting yeah, when he I mean, gave he was that just stat. making, you know, he started out by making transitions between the gates and then mm-hmm. lots of transitions within the gates. And we saw that from every single rider, like every single them one back, yep. riding them forward, bringing them back, riding them forward. The adjustability on the horse is so important. And then for the young horses, you know, they got into a little bit. And then for the advanced horses, you know, they go right from, from Piaf to, to extended. I mean, there's, there's a huge range that you have to be able to, um, to ride in an advanced horse so uh, you know you gotta you gotta stretch it out so he stayed in the comfort zone for a while mm-hmm. until the horse got used to everything he was there for a while and then it became the stretching zone and right. uh and he worked really well with the horse i mean the horse you know he got to know the horse he didn't get on and impose yeah. his will no. on it he Mm-mm. got on and he got to know the horse and then he just tried a few things right he wasn't like yeah. you're gonna do this now like okay you're you're relaxed you're ready he was just like and it was just kind of a really nice um, development of the horse, and like you said, until the horse was doing half steps, it was almost as right. if it was. It, it was just a slow, steady transformation. And every time he asked, he asked a little bit more. Right? It was the same question. Just can you do a little bit more? Can you come back a little bit more? Can you go forward a little bit more? And it made sense to the horse, and that's how it flowed so well from a horse that was a little nervous, a, you know, new rider. Oh my goodness, you know what's going on? And then, boom! By the end, they were just working together. You know, in yeah, it was camera. great. And the canter almost, you know, like a little of the of uh, some working canter steps. I mean, just yeah, he took it to that level, Super. but he took the time to know the horse and to uh, to know what to do. So I think that's great advice if you're looking to to know, uh, you know, what do I do when I get on a new horse? Well, I yeah. think the biggest thing was just listen to the horse and take right? your time. And then when you listen yeah. to the horse, you can find out what is their stretching zone. Every horse has a mm-hmm. different you know, mental capacity or, or for learning and 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 physical ability for learning. So. Um, you know, don't impose your will. Work with the horse. Right. Figure out, can- you know, where the weak points are. Work on it a little bit and, and you know, and st- you know, pay attention to the training skill to find out, you know, what you can improve on. Yeah. And he talked about also just the use of his legs. You know, that, that you have to use your legs um, to, keep, to help keep the rhythm, which I thought was really – and that was kind of the, going back to the behind the leg thing. The horse has to be on your aids and listening to right. your leg and your seat. And your leg and your seat create the activity and you need to be able to have the activity to change the rhythm and not change the stride. So I, I thought that that was an interesting um, – you know, he, he very much talked about that, um, which was good. And then, and then we talked about just control the line, um, which was his third point. And – he, he talked about – he talked – because he must teach a lot of young riders uh, or a lot of U25 riders. And, and I, I also teach a lot of that group, so that was really interesting to me. And, you know, he's talking about controlling the line. But this also goes to um, 
control uh, to teaching flying changes. So he brought it. And basically as you teach flying changes, you have, these riders have already worked on controlling the line. So they understand that like when you go on the diagonal, you're basically riding through a tunnel. And if you ride through the tunnel and then at the end of the tunnel or the end of the diagonal, you can easily ask for the flying change without coming out of the tunnel. So I thought that that was an interesting yeah, really analogy. Yeah, really channeling the horse down that line, not wandering around the ring. That's, that's something to be important, you know, in detailed riding. You have to really know, you know, be riding every day, you know, KXM. I mean, like, the, I mean, it, it kind of sounds no brainer, but you you watch you be amazed, riders training, yeah. and that that slowly, you know, degrades as you know every time the rider rides across a diagonal. If they're not really paying attention to that detail. Um, it, it becomes a very unstraight line, you know, and that's one of those things that we got to watch, you know, when we leave the track, when we leave the wall, do the horses wander around, you know, ride second track, ride third track, ride quarter line, um, you know, every day to kind of make sure that the rider is, is in charge of the lines and not the, not the horse pushing against the little white fences or, or the arena wall. So, well, um, and I, and I don't know about you, Philip, but a lot of my riders, um, don't have a ring. So they ride right. out in the field or, or yeah. they have a big jumping ring. A lot of my eventers don't necessarily have the white fence. Um, and, and I tell them, I'm like, you have to go in the fence. You have to go in that in the arena because you don't know if you're riding a proper 10-meter circle. If right. you don't ever have to go in the boards. And so I guarantee, yeah. and, and that 10-meter circle is worth 10 points. So, you know, if you don't ride the circle, I can guarantee you're losing some points um, just on that particular, you know, just that particular movement or, or all of them. So I thought right. that that was really interesting. And some of the other thoughts as I'm going through my notes that he talked about is he says, and I agree with him, you need to understand some theory. And I think that there is a balance here. Um, you know, certainly you can understand a lot of theory and not be able to ride and you can ride and not understand any theory. So I think that there's a nice balance out there. And I thought, you know, he, that's what he was trying to do with his young riders is trying to, to help them develop some theory and understand, you know, why. And, and if you're listening to the show, you're probably already into that and, and learning some theory. And, and we certainly try to provide some, Philip and I, to, so that you, you can get it. So he, I yeah, think that well, that was he was talking about, yeah, I remember this. He was talking about, you know, clinics and stuff where, um, it's, it's frustrating for a coach of riders to host a clinic or to be at a clinic. And then, you know, a rider comes in, does their lesson and packs up and leaves. Right. He says, you know, it's, you know, if you're there anyways, why not wait or, you know, watch a couple of lessons, you know, so to help you process maybe what you just learned or what you're going to learn before you ever get it. Right. If you're the last rider of the day, show up early Hey, you know, maybe there's some stuff that, you know, like uh, a trainer doesn't want to go to a clinic or, or be doing lessons and explain something 10 times to the 10 riders that are at, at that clinic, right? Wouldn't it be nice just to, in the first rider, if he's got a concept that's really important to him, that if he explained it once in the first ride, that the next person would have been there to see it, that they're ready or, or you know, and so on and so forth. So I thought right. that was, you know, adding a little bit of theory and just education from the ground is is almost as important as, uh, yeah. as education on the saddle, if not just to save time in a lesson or, or to sure. get a little bit more out of your own lesson. By, uh, you know, because as trainers, we all have certain things we like to pick on, right? And, and so if, if you can reaffirm uh, something that you just learned by watching it from the ground, haven't you just learned twice as much? Or, you know, just uh, so that, I thought that was an, a good point and an interesting thing to, yeah. uh, to, to get all you can from each clinician or each lesson or or even your own if you have a regular coach that comes in twice a week or whatever you know sure. watch a lesson see if you can learn something it doesn't hurt it couldn't hurt right right and this happened to me this week um you know as we all who have not been in florida and we've been up north is i had a student come in and said well i want to learn shoulder in and i said sure but she didn't know anything about shoulder in and ours is ready i mean it wasn't it wasn't an off the wall question and i said okay have you what are the aids for shoulder in and she's like well, no, <laughs> which right. is fine. I certainly don't mind taking my taking the forty five minutes. You can to always take the time it. to do it to teach it. And no to, yeah. problem. But it it would have been great, and and she would have saved a little bit of time in her lesson to go to the actual riding part of it. Um, and and that was you know if you want to know something, how do I ride shoulder in or how do I ride haunches in? There's lots of information out there. So I mean, even especially just to these read days a little, with the resources. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I remember you know. 
being able to pick up books at the tax store and and learn that way because you know obviously the internet wasn't as developed but um you know at least it's a start right you have a picture in your head and an idea in your mind and then you can go from there yeah. um you know because it's it's there's no secrets like i don't know any secrets that hasn't been published no a billion times already yeah, by exactly. a billion different trainers it's, it's not it's not a, you know keeping some kind of secret knowledge to yourself it's all available it's all out there so uh, yeah. and so you, know. you do i wasn't picking on her at all i don't mean no. that i just no. you know she wanted that at her lesson to this week. And I have I literally haven't seen her since before Christmas because we haven't been able – this week is the first week, yeah, that, that yeah. people are sort of back riding here um, and, and starting to get serious and wanting to, to, to get some help. And I thought – when I read this the, in our when we were prepping for the show, I thought, gosh, you know, if she would have wanted to know that, it would have been great for her to have come in and said, okay, I read it online and this is what I know, but I really want to do it. So um, I'll find that she didn't, but uh, it certainly, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's a young brain coming from teaching juniors and young riders. Juniors, that's, yeah. that's a little bit of a junior young rider yeah. kind of thing that you will come across, right? Because, it, you know, we just yeah. don't think of being, yeah, active, yeah. being able to access all this information as adults. Right. And it we takes know it's all a while and it, it takes time too and, and all that yeah. stuff. But anyways, his other point at going on the junior young riders, which I thought was interesting is – when you're young or sometimes, I mean, even when you have one horse, you think, I need it now. I need it right now. And as you get older. The impatience uh, or, of youth, right? Yeah, or more experienced or, or you know, for me now, now that I've trained more horses, you know, I know when it's time to push and when it, it isn't time. And sometimes I don't know when I have to call Philip uh, and say, well, am I doing something wrong here? Um, but his basic point was, you know, it takes a long time to make a horse. And, and if you want it now, <laughs> you're maybe in the wrong sport, <laughs> but yeah. you have to learn that, you know, that, that you can't have it right now. You know, there are steps and there are theory and, the, and then there is stuff that, that sort of is in the way and, and not in the way, but you need to, you need to work on that. So I thought that that was a really interesting, you know, kind of, kind of take. Um, from him well, there's, and, no, there's no way to get out of paying your dues right no <laughs> on all of us on any horse you know um and then his other one was um and, and again he was focused from young riders but treat a horse like a horse a horse isn't a machine um you know it takes a lot of time and and he he mentioned you know he'll ask his young riders you know what's the breeding of your horse and they won't know um and I thought it was really interesting that he made note of that. You know, these are all really important things, you know. Um, and it made me come back and think, gosh, what are the bloodlines of that horse? And I should really look them up. And, you know, it doesn't take well, very long. It was just, a, it was just yeah, I think the discussion point there was just like if you really want to um, ride well or or it, it maybe takes a little bit extra to have a genuine interest in horses. I think it's a hard <laughs> kind of concept to describe, but he said if you're really crazy, you know, if you're if you're young, you're, you should be horse crazy, right? You should want to know everything and and take in everything and and uh, and and just you know, bloodlines is an example of of you know um, wanting to educate yourself just beyond sitting in the saddle, but wanting to know uh, all aspects of riding and and horse care and horse breeding and you know, it's. Uh, yeah. Was, I mean, it's cool. It was, yeah, know, obviously, it he's was, coming from a place where he does teach a lot of juniors, young riders. So he had a lot of points of uh, discussion around that. So yeah, it was cool. But it really was a, a great lecture overall. And I was really inspired by him. I really, I can see why you have a man crush on him, Philip. Um, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, he was, I thought he was phenomenal. I'd never seen him also. I'd never seen him coach or teach. Um, I felt like he, literally he was the first one out of the gate. And I thought, Okay, this is awesome, and he was by far my favorite, uh, besides Conrad Schumacher, who is my coach. That, but it was um, this was something I'd never seen before, and and I really, really enjoyed it. So, I would really stress to everybody, and 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 I came from a different place this year than last year. Last year, I didn't go to the Global Dressage Forum North America. When you're in Florida and down there every day, all day long working, um, and you're sort of immersed in it. But I will tell you, I, I think it was such a great use of our time to come down for this forum. And I, will, I won't miss it again. I mean, I thought it was really a cool um, just take on, on dressage in the world and, and, and in North America, but there were coaches from the world. And, and I really felt like, uh, I'm not kidding around, that it was a, a great use of our time. 
and uh, we got a lot done in, in Saul. So we'll continue as as we go in these segments. We'll keep talking. If anybody is curious about a particular presentation, uh, let us know. We'll go through it just sort of like we did this one Um but it really was a great use of, of time. And, and next year, I would highly recommend uh, putting it on your calendar to come because I really enjoyed it. And, and it just get, gave us a, a good look uh, around to lots of different trainers. So A smorgasbord. A smorgasbord? Yeah, well, yeah, smorgasbord. It's <laughs> the Swedish yeah. word. We talked to so many Swedish people. Yeah, they the were. Smorgasbord of training and riding and, and I will aspects say, of horse care. Yeah, I'm, the Swedes were were and Tina Wilhelmsen Sylvan was also yeah. amazing. She those were probably my two favorite, and they're both Swedish, so they really took us by storm. And 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 like I said, I, I wasn't sure what to expect with Jan Brink, but I think if anybody has an opportunity to see him in person, uh, I would love to go to a, to and see and ride in a clinic. I just thought he had some some great firsthand knowledge. He was extremely organized on his presentation. It wasn't all over the map. He knew what he was talking about. I literally got the most notes by far by him, from him on, on what was going on. So, um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Oh. So, well, what do we yeah. got now? What do we got on the show? Our show? What is going on? Today? I know. So that was that was our kind of our rundown of the Global Dressage Forum. But it is we are recording it is the last Thursday of uh, the month that we're or the third Thursday that we record. And our favorite Hillary Moore Hebert is coming on the show from Dressage Today. Uh, and we actually got a chance. I we'd never met Philip and I had never met Hillary in person. So we were able to spend uh, some time with her, and then we went out to dinner. So. Uh, we have a, a face to the name, and she's equally as awesome in person as she is online on air. So um, after this, it. yeah, after this commercial break, we're going to talk with Hillary Moore Hebert, senior editor of Dressage Today. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, it is our pleasure to welcome Hillary Moore Hebert, Senior Editor of Dressage Today, and I am super happy to report that we have actually met in person. How are you, Hillary? I am fantastic, although I was just um, joking with everybody that I did get a cold, and it's because uh, where Reese, Philip, and I was down in Wellington, Florida, um, and we were hanging out at the Global Dressage Forum North America, and I got a chance to go down for the magazine to cover a ton of things. Um, so I was really excited to call you guys because it was awesome to finally meet you in person, but also share some of the other things I did outside of the forum that I thought were really neat. You have a cool job. It's very yeah, it's nice. It sounds cool. pretty fun. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. you were super busy when you were down there, you know, but... Uh, and we, oh, could, no, we stole you for dinner, had dinner with your mom and your client. It was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Well, well Hillary- and the fantastic... I was going to say the fantastic thing is, um, you know, it's this great social media program that VitaFlex is actually sponsoring for us. And so because of that, we were able to do so much more than the magazine just on its own really would be able to do. So, um, you know, the first thing that we were able to do that was really cool is they connected us up with Lisa Wilcox, who everybody knows is, um, you know, one of the Olympic riders, and um, she also rides for VitaFlex. But I got to go and see her 
uh, train her horse that she has that she is working the Grand Prix with. So that was pretty awesome. So can you tell us at all about it? Yes, I can. So it was really interesting because she is obviously like high performance rider of high performance rider. It's not someone who has just a one-off horse. You see her coming back into the ring over and over again. And one of the things I saw that was really interesting, the way that they approach schooling the Piaf and Passage is really looking at each of the hind legs individually and seeing, you know, is there an evenness to it? But very different, you know, you wouldn't often look at trot, for example, collected trot and say, is the left doing the same as the right hind? It's not as much of a thing that would come up. But they were very much looking at the evenness, saying in the Piaf Passage, you know, what's the left doing? What's the right every single stride? And how can we make sure those are even? And I thought seeing it in action with this world-class horse and world-class rider was really fascinating. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, we talk about detail-oriented. I mean, that's right right down to um, what I would call kind of the minutiae of it when you're looking really at the evenness. And it's and it's hard to tell a little bit in, the, in trot, but uh, for sure it affects the way the horse comes down into PF passage because of the way, you know, the trot is closely related to these things. So that's that's awesome. That's interesting. Well, and I think that the idea also that you can become a skilled enough rider that conceptually the, the use of the aids, that the leg and the whip and, um, you know, the seat are really timing, not only just say, okay, let's create more activity, but where in the horse's body are you creating that activity and having the timing quick enough that you can kind of get the horse right as their left hind, for example, is coming up off the ground and can you use your leg or tap with the whip and get them right at the moment to then encourage more energy to come out of that particular leg. And I find that really um, very fascinating. And I think it's an interesting thing that we kind of think about striving for when you talk about really good riding. Yeah, I mean, that's something I came home with uh, over the weekend after watching, you know, a a lot of great top riders and, and stuff. I mean, the timing, it comes down to being such an important part of good riding, you know, and, and knowing, you know, how much pressure to apply when and where, um, all those, you know, in really good riding, all those things come together in the, you know, the exact right moment and, and time and, and, uh, amount of, of pressure to put, to put everything together and get exactly what you want. Again, that's very, very, very detailed, um, riding and, and coaching from, from the top level. And that's, it should, you know, it should filter all the way down that, when we want to create good riders, that's so uh, that's such an important part. And and to be someone, also like to be a trainer on the ground, you also have to develop your eye for timing, because you know lo- lots of us have you know a, a really good feel for timing. But if you're going to help somebody, and uh, and help them do it right, then again, just really emphasizing that uh, that your eye is good. And and again, that's why it's so great to be able to attend these things and and develop uh, not only good riding, but a good eye and, a, and good trainers. So the next tip that I had that is from our uh, tried and true columnist, Suzanne Von Dietz, and she gave us a neat tip that referred to technical riding at the more lower level. And she said that one of the most difficult transitions to ride is the canter to the sitting trot because people think of it as a downward transition. But if you look at freestyles, for example, and you look at the beats per minute of the music, really the canter to trot becomes a quicker tempo, and the body, the rider's body has to have a faster rhythm going into it, whereas we're kind of thinking, stop, slow down. Um, you know, you almost have to think the opposite. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to consider as you're riding the canter to sitting trot. That, that's a really good, it is a very hard transition. I was doing it today with several students and it's just, you really have to focus on it. And I think so many people collapse in that transition and that makes it even harder. You know, you really have to say, I've got to sit tall for my core. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing that I see the most. I don't know about you guys in that transition, but it's a really hard one, but one that you really need to practice. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I we, think, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we were really, uh, it was, it was, we, we saw Suzanne Von Dietz and, and this is one of the points she brought up in her talk. And I thought that was, 
that was something I'd never even thought about before. But for sure, the rhythm the rhythm has to be a little quicker in the trot. So I mean, everybody's got to stop thinking of stopping the horse and start thinking of uh, and speeding them up. You know, that's where a little bit of that the leg pressure, you know, coming down from canter to uh, to trot is so important that you have to. Uh, bring the hind legs under a little bit quicker because if they slow down and stick out the rear end of the horse, there's no way you're going to get a, a, a balanced uphill downwards transition, right? Which is so important. So I thought, you know, that was a, a, a really nice take home for, for me from that. And I think it, it's also interesting to think about because I actually sometimes, you know, conceptually think that the canter to sitting trot is almost more difficult sometimes than the passage piaf, as we were talking about before, because it's not in the same, you know, back to front. The canter is an asymmetrical gait with it being the three beats. And then to switch to the more symmetrical trot, you're really having to have a different motion in your pelvis, as well as maintaining the core and changing the, the rhythm in your body. So I think that it's, it's a tricky thing to do. I mean, at home, um, you know, once we train the horses through the levels, I find myself um, riding almost always canter to walk and walk to canter. You know, once they're, you know, past kind of second level and they've learned that, I hardly ever um, am riding um, canter to trot because, of course, it's it's a kind of a discombobulated mo- moment in the in the horses uh, in the transition can be very discombobulating and we and it, you know you find that once the horse knows it it's so much easier walk canter canter walk and uh, I, I mean you can see it in the hunters and the jumpers they almost always ride walk to canter and 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 vice versa so um, I have to remind myself hey you know this is a transition worth doing and worth doing well and to focus on even if the horse you know, is, is much further trained than that. So I try, you know, try and mix it into the, into the training program. Yeah. I do it daily because it comes back in the intermediate one. You don't see yeah. it from second level to intermediate one, but it comes back in the intermediate one and it's in the Grand Prix after a very difficult movement on the center line. So you do your ones and then or actually you do your ones and then you do your trot and it can be hard. So the next tip I had um, was, you know, now sort of going back to even more fundamental, I got a chance to sit down with Canadian um, David Marcus, and we had a a really interesting talk about the warm-up, and I was fascinated to hear what you guys had to say, because um, I know that there's certain people who will go into movements pretty quickly, and they'll be riding the leg yield, they'll even do a soft, long half pass and really get the horses working, he said for him, you know, he really doesn't do more than straight lines and nice round 20-meter circles with an eye on the quality where he can have the horses, um, you know, balance is the rhythm there. And really he does very simple geometric patterns but focuses on the quality. And I wanted to hear from you guys how you approach the warm-up, because I think it's one of the most difficult aspects of people to learn how to do properly. Well, for the warm-up, you know, and it's just like a warm-up at home, I I really like to, um, you know, make sure that the horse is relaxed, because in in the show situation, of course, they're going to have all this extra energy and be all amped up and be looking around. So, um, you know, just follow a relaxed program even if the horse is stretching a little bit long and low and make sure that I've got you know a good connection and a horse that's ready to work because there's definitely no advantage to you know running into the warm-up and then you know going through all the movements when the horse isn't really ready mentally to uh, to process what I'm asking so um, just like at home I've got to um, I've got to just really ride every ride that it's got the components that I want and build the blocks of relaxation and then rhythm and you know, and then the figures are the last thing. The figures, you know, the figures will sort themselves out. I feel a lot of times if if the horse is in the right place mentally first, and then and then physically, because we ride them, you know, so much at home, and and uh, and to to be at a show and start to really ride, like I'm not going to turn um, a six pirouette into an eight at the showgrounds. I kind of know, you you know what I mean. Like you know what you've got, right? And if there's something I have to pay attention to. Um, that I know, you know, at home that I would really want to ride a little bit, then I would ride that, but not necessarily go in. And especially as you get more complicated in the movements and higher up in the levels, you know, I can't be in there 
fixing problems. I've just got to trust my training a little bit and and look after one or two things, you know. Um, but make sure I've got you know a trot that's super adjustable, you know, three gates that are adjustable, and that the horse is you know on the right lines, like riding, you know, that that they're not crooked and and feeling weird that way, and that you know I just do a job to kind of coach them into the test and then ride the best test that I can, right? I mean, I see a lot yeah. of times where the riders really, you know, in the warm up running through the test, you know, or running, you know, one specific movement over and over. I've got to balance it out between riding a few movements, trying to put together a few movements and uh and and saying, you know, what you've got is is what you got. So, yeah, I think for sure I think with the biggest marks in the test go to kind of harmony and quality of gates rather than you know, um, of course, you're going to lose lose marks if you're not also kind of detail oriented. But I think at home is that's the time to really train the details and 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 um, you know fix the little problems. At, at the show, I think you've you've got to keep your warm up short enough that you have energy in the test. I see that also a lot. You know, like an hour warm up or 45 minutes warm up. Even if you have a hot horse, they're going to be tired and they're going to go into the ring a little tired, maybe a little behind your leg and not showing you fresh expressive gates and just, you know, kind of running through movement to movement to movement and getting getting downhill or, or getting even more <coughs> tired. So I think you got to really, you know, listen to your own horse, come into the show with with a plan and uh, and if you know you've got a horse that that is... Um, you know, gets a little bit tired fast, then um, don't do a whole lot. And if you don't, then then not. I think, you know, we're all individuals and the horses are individuals. So we've got to make our own warm-up plans. And sometimes it takes going to a lot of shows to just figure out exactly what you need. Yeah, and I think, you know, the next tip and the last tip that I had very much relates to that. Grand Prix rider Devin Kane was talking about, you know, her training philosophy, and a lot of it was her saying, I want accountability for myself and my horse. And I think what you were just saying really relates to that because you want to spend every day making sure your horse is on this to the aids, that you can get the things that you want from them, and that you're pressing yourself to ride correctly for those things. And so then you can go into the warm-up in the show ring and have those things because you already know that your horse is accountable, that you're accountable, and you're not kind of saying, okay, today is the day I'm really going to say, can I get the canter at sea, or, you know, have I kind of been letting myself go a little bit at home, and this is the first time I'm really asking for it specifically at the letter, or can I really sit the trot properly, you know, be accountable beforehand so it's not a problem when you get to the show. Yeah, I think that's exactly, and 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 we got you know we talked about it a little bit, but when you're riding every day, detailed riding, you know, really exact, precise transitions and and things like that, you're not going to have a problem in the test with it because the horse the horse knows it. I think the biggest problem um, is just dealing with show nerves, right? Show nerves for the horse, yeah. show nerves for the rider. That's where the mistakes are made. They're not, you know. I mean, of course, if if you, if you're not riding precisely at home, you're not going to be able to do it in the test for sure. And then you don't have the confidence at the show and, and then that goes into your head and you've got, oh, is this going to, you know, is, am, I, am I going to be able to halt at X? I mean, that's the first, I think the first movement in every test is the hardest, a nice, clear, straight halt. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't ride that every day if, or if, it, you know, every day, you know, some of the halts are okay and some are not okay, then you're going into the showing questioning. I mean, I like to be, Going down that center line, knowing I've trained this for six months or whatever. I mean, this is going to happen. Yeah. It's not a question, right? And like David said, is really is really good because he's just ensuring that the gates are quality, right? Yeah. The movements are there. The the gates have to be quality. Um, you know, uh, the the details of the transitions and and of flying changes, for instance. If again, like a, a good flying change comes from a great canter, well, then yeah. that's you don't have to ride ten lines of twos or ten lines of fours or whatever whatever level you're at you just have to make sure oh i've got good quality boom changes will happen right you know and, and I, yeah that's that's yeah, what it comes down to and i think that's why you know he is currently ranked number 1 in canada because he is spot on to exactly what you're saying well hillary thank you so much as always you are our favorite guest of the month we look forward to it every month and it was so nice to meet you finally in person how do our listeners find you online? So I'm very excited because it's dressagetoday.com, but we have just 
got taken live our brand new website. And the feature that I want everybody to look for is you can now search by level. So if you are a first level rider and you click first level, all of the articles that come up will be filtered. So it is suitable for your level. So awesome. everybody should go and that check is that out. Cool. Oh, I want to yeah. go. Yeah. We'll do it right now. That is what a great thing. Cool. Well, I yeah. like it. So how do our listeners find you if they need to talk to you specifically? Um, they can go to the contact us on the new website. They can also reach us on our Facebook page. We also have a Twitter account and Pinterest, and you can just message us any of those places or contact us at dressagetoday.com. Well, as always, that is one of our favorite segments from Hillary. And stay tuned for next month, and we'll um, talk to her again about what's happening at Dressage today. But, Philip, we met a very cool portion, Rachel Cabrera. Uh, she is a listener, and she uh, has a great story to tell on how she met us over the weekend. So uh, I hope you enjoy our talk with Rachel. Well, I am so excited about this next guest. We met Rachel at the Global Dressage North America meet and greet on Friday night. And she noticed and recognized me. I don't know if you noticed, Philip, but you recognized me and pulled me aside. So, Rachel, welcome to our show. You are our most loyal listener. I love it. Well, howdy from Texas. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It was such a like amazing surprise and delight to meet uh, you and Philip in person. And I have to say that when I saw your face, I just beelined towards you and I apologize for, I think I lightly assaulted you, but <laughs> I was just so excited to finally see you and meet you that I, I couldn't wait to tell you uh, hello and my story. Well, I love it. No, you did not assault me. You, it was so cute. You're like, I have to talk to you. And I was like, okay, nobody ever has to talk to me. This is awesome. <laughs> I was really excited. I got a story. I have to tell you this. I was like, we never even met. You got a story. I, <laughs> and this is one of the most exciting up. parts of, of doing the radio show so far ever. And he perked so. up like a superstar. It was amazing. I can not believe yeah. he did that. It's fun. <laughs> so Rachel, tell us our, your story because it's awesome. Well, um, a apart from just meeting you guys for the first time uh, at the meet and greet, um, I've listened to your show, um, you know, at least a good year and a half now. I spend quite a bit of time in the, in the car going to and fro, so it's a great way to kind of get the, the creative horse juices flowing on the way to the barn listening to your show. And about a year ago... I um, accepted a, a, a broad invitation you guys put out over the air to submit listener questions. And at the time, I was really toying with the idea of um, making the transition into being a, a professional horse person. Um, I was working at a, a, an actual day job, a nine-to-five, and I just wasn't satisfied, and I really felt that uh, maybe being a, in the horse world was something that I, I would want to do and I would be successful at. But I wanted to have the expert opinion that you guys um, have, and I submitted my question, and the question went something like, you want to be a horse trainer. Where do you start? What should I do? What's your advice? And... The reply from you and Philip was, it was interesting. It was um, not sugar-coated and very honest, very brutally honest, but absolutely um, what someone who has a question like that should hear. It was, it was important information. Um, but I think that anyone that doesn't uh, have a lot of confidence about going into this would have been a little downtrodden. Um, but... I, I made a list. You gave me oh, such great advice about um, education and business practices and some of the harsh realities that a horse trainer will face day to day. And I, I'm, I still have it in front of me, actually. I made a list of some of the issues that you brought up and <laughs> I answered them to, to the best of my ability and tore it up <laughs> and ignored it. <laughs> and and dove headfirst into horse training and 
um, it's just been a wild ride ever since. So Okay, okay Rachel, hold on. I have to jump oh, no. in here. I have to oh, jump no. in this one. We're so, so basically, Rachel, <laughs> you asked for their advice. They told you to yep. run for the hills, keep your day job, don't do this at all costs, and you completely ignored them and did it anyway. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I don't listen. Yeah. To, I don't listen to him either, Rachel. So we're good. Yeah, yeah no. no, nobody does. <laughs> nobody listens to us. Nobody really listens. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's Rachel, good. I mean, if you yeah, can listen awesome. to somebody say, "Hey, don't do it," and then you can, you know, come up with some, still have reasons and motivation to do it, then. Great. I, I mean, I guess. Uh, so far, so good for you there, Rachel? Yeah, what? how's it going, Rachel? Yeah, how, how, how is ignoring our advice? <laughs> it's actually, it's going great. Um, you know, when you get your first client and you, you kind of do your first lesson, you think, oh my gosh, is, am I going to sound like an idiot? And you, you kind of find your way. Um, I have several clients, I have several students, and I'm just so proud and grateful that I get to wake up every day and, and go to a horse barn. Um, so yeah, so far so great. And, and then to cap it off with an experience with the global dressage forum, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, start to my career. So before we start the Goldberg Star Forum in North America, I do want to mention that Rachel did not mention that you actually Uh-oh. do own a farm. No, you own a farm in Texas. You have a barn. Am I right? <laughs> yes, I actually don't own it. The um, the owner has has literally handed me the reins, and I run a facility just north of Dallas, Fort Worth area. Well, Rachel, tell us about your experience at the Global Dressage Forum North America and sort of Wellington in general. Wow! First of all, Florida Wellington is is just amazing. It's beautiful um, without the horses, and then. You sprinkle in these gorgeous horses and these brilliant uh, minds to go with it. And riders, the riders are superb. Um, I'm kind of a country mouse at heart, so that was a little bit of a trip to the big city for me. And just to see the whole spectacle and rub elbows with these amazing riders and trainers was just a little overwhelming. I I can't believe that I got through it and, and didn't maybe faint at some point. Um, but the forum was great. Um, having the first trip to Wellington, I've never seen so many beautiful polo riders in my life. I mean, if you're <laughs> eligible, that's a right. Go to Wellington and date the, no. the polo players. That's a, no, that I'm going to tell you that is bad advice. Do not listen to that. Bad <laughs> I'm going to say no on Rachel's advice on this one. I'm taking the reins. No, no, no. Um, yeah, there was a spectacular uh, event. The forum was just super, and I was just so excited to get to be there and, and really experience the whole thing. So, who was your favorite trainer? What did you, which or which session did you get the most out of? Oh my gosh! Okay, definitely the favorite to watch was uh, Tina Sylvan, and I believe her horse was uh, Benetton. Is that right? It's yes. Benet- I think it was Benetton Dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Um, so I, I was feverishly taking notes through the entire, um, forum. I didn't want to miss a thing, but when Tina was writing, you can't take your eyes off what a harmonious partnership they have. Um, I just kept writing over and over again, super horse, fun, harmony, beautiful. Um, so she was great to watch. The person I got the most from learning and listening and, and understanding was uh, Mr. Conrad Schumacher. He um, really, yeah, um, he just broke it down and gave you good quality tidbits and building blocks for you to take home and, and insert at, at any point in your training. Um, he's so positive and kind um, in his approach to the writer and the training. He, he keeps it so positive. Um, and the way that he logically builds up, you know, from the warm up to beginning the higher movements and then keeping the relaxation and the understanding going through the entire session, um, is just really brilliant. It's great for a new trainer like myself to, to hear and understand the, the way a good flow through a lesson should be. 
And he really talked about Mr. Schumacher's lecture here was really talking about training riders versus training horses. So it's a little different approach. Yeah. Um, and he's always said that, you know, he says, I train riders, not horses. Horses will get hurt or, you know, as we all know, things happen to horses, but your riding career um, continues. And so I've been lucky enough to train with him now 20 years and he's right. Uh, and I'm very thankful for, and I even told him that when I saw him uh, at the end, just how thankful I was that he, he takes that approach with his riders and, um, you know, teaching you overall um, how to be a good rider. And, and in turn, he's, he's made several, several good trainers. So um, I really appreciated that. So I also enjoyed his lecture um, for that very reason. So, yeah, I mean, I got that from a couple of the trainers um, there, you know, um, this idea that there, you know, there are thousands of horses in the world and there, you know, and, and they have relatively short careers, but how many, how many riders are there out there that have made Grand Prix horses? Right. I mean, there, there's very few for all the thousands of horses that are out there. I mean, the more that the more that trainers and people can pass along the knowledge to be able to make a Grand Prix horse, there'll be more Grand Prix horses out there or more well-trained horse. You know, not every horse can make it the Grand Prix, obviously, but um, we can do a service to all the horses out there by 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 teaching well and and. And and just having good training and good basics and good and good riding, right? So I think um, Conrad was one, and Jan Brink as well. Like he's yes. quit his international riding career to stay at home and train riders, young riders, junior riders, you know, to to make people that can make to bring out the best in horses. I thought that was a really great message. So that was fun. That was good. Yeah, and I think for all the trainers out there, you know, we're all trainers here, and and being able to do that is is pretty cool. And there's a lot of rewarding things to training a really top, you know, junior rider or or even an adult amateur that that achieves their goal. I mean, for me, I also really enjoy that. So I enjoyed that whole part of the symposium. Well, Rachel, it was so nice to meet you over the weekend, and you can even testify on how great a dancer Philip is. I'm just got to bring that up. <laughs> I just, Philip is a phenomenal dancer. I really have to say, Philip, if this whole horse thing doesn't work out for you, you definitely have a career in, in dance for sure. Well, it's nice to have options, right? It's nice yeah. to have options. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We had a good time. We, we had a really good time after the symposium. So it was fun to, it was fun to meet you and, and glad that we have a friend in Texas. So Rachel, yeah. how, do, how do our listeners get a hold of you if they're looking for a trainer in Texas? So I would direct people to my website, which is candcsporthorses.com. Great. Well, keep sending those listener questions. You never know what happens. Oh, you know it. I'll keep you guys on your toes for sure. <laughs> so, Philip, our email shoutouts actually work. Yeah, somebody, well, I mean, she <laughs> said she listened to the show, but she obviously didn't listen to the show because she didn't follow our instructions. But <laughs> Oh, she heard it. I mean, that's, she that's heard it. She true, just didn't listen. That's what I kind of like about <laughs> she it. She heard what we were saying. but she Yeah, exactly. Listen. Oh, she took <laughs> notes on what you were saying, and then yeah. she threw it all out. She, she said, I said, she, she was cute when we saw her at the, at the first meet and greet that they had for the forum. She said, you know, I listened to it. And then she's like, just because you guys said no, I said I was going to do it. And right. I was like, I like you already. You're cool. <laughs> so she's very cool and, and really enjoyed spending some time with her. So we hope we get to meet more listeners. That was super fun. And um, that's why we do the show. And, and it, was, it was really rewarding to meet her and spend some time with her. So I love that. Okay. So please send us more emails and shout outs. And if you're ever around either Canada or Kentucky or anywhere that we're going to be, we would love to meet you. So don't be shy. Rachel, Rachel wasn't shy at all. She about tackled me. She did about tackle me, but that's all good. I'm, I enjoyed that. Anytime. <laughs> it's fun to have stalkers, everyone. Yes, nice, nice, awesome. friendly stalkers. Friendly, well, I had yeah. Philip well, with yeah, let me clarify that. I had yeah, Philip with, it, with his strong muscles to push in front of me if necessary. <laughs> I'm teasing you, Philip. That's not nice. <laughs> well, any, well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. 
I'd like to thank Kentucky Performance Products for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And next week, guys, is Para Week, so you guys will be back in two weeks. Yes, yeah. and, and actually... Uh, I think we've got some great guests lined up. We, we will, you have to wait until we can confirm all that, but... Uh, yeah. We were talking to a lot of trainers, a lot of riders down in Florida, and uh, we lined up everybody we could to, to come yeah. on the show and give we us trainer busy. tips and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And I actually have a clinic with Conrad Schumacher next week, so I'm super lucky, and, and maybe we can snag him from another interview to talk about his experience at the Global Dressage Forum North America. So everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And uh, if you're anywhere in the Midwest, don't get blown away tonight because we have a bad storm coming through again. So talk to you soon. 